go start a podcast about what you geek out on. And a guy looked at me one day not too long ago and he goes, what do you mean? I said, what's your, what's your outside of being a wealth management mumbo jumbo BS, whatever your title is, um, what do you geek out? And he goes, craft beer. I said, oh, I love that. Tell me about craft beer. And he goes on, man, like this entire diatribe of craft beer. I'm like, man, that is so cool. I can make a couple of introductions. I've had a couple of guys on the show that run some massive craft breweries in Texas, you know, and, you know, we were having a fun conversation. I said, you know, here's an interesting thing. I said, how many CEOs or ideal targets that you'd love to get to do you think are into craft beer? He goes, oh, a ton. I said, what kind of phone call would it be for you to call up a CEO of a major company and said, hey, I run a podcast that reaches hundreds of thousands of people, whatever your numbers are, and it doesn't even have to be that many numbers, right? I have a podcast that all we do is talk about craft beer. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. We've got a great one in store for you. In case you happen to miss the last episode, here's a quick snippet, and then we will get on to the show. I'm a conversationalist, if you want to call it that. I love having those conversations because I don't care about someone's success. I'm more interested in their process more than their success because people try to mimic the success, but they don't mimic the process. How did you become self-karma? What made you write this book? How did you even get your, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, with publishing and things like that? So I love to get those stories of people's process and for them to share knowledge on the process because I think the the keys are in the process, not the success. 27,000 per episode. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just absolutely crazy. And how many, wow, 27,000 downloads. So Donnie has 27,000 downloads as an average per episode for the podcast. We're going to talk about podcasting, about why podcasting is the, like probably the number one business development tool, one of the number one networking tools possible, one of the most organic ways to create content. Would you agree with those statements? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can tell you that a couple of uh, fun things. One, um, podcasting saved my business. Um, two, podcasting taught me networking at a very high level. And I've always been built multi-million dollar businesses from networking, but pet net, but podcasting just took networking to a whole new level. And I think if people just understand that you don't make money because of podcasting, you make money, be, you don't make money from the podcast. You make money because of the podcast. And, and, you know, a lot of people want to go into podcasting with this, this misconception that, you know, like even with me, with all the downloads I have from all the shows and everything, I don't make money off the show itself. I don't make money off the podcast. What that does, the podcast affords me opportunities to get in conversations I've never been able to get into before. You know, it's, it's just open so many fun and unique doors um, from speaking engagements to lives to TV appearances to 
everything because it gave a voice to my brand. Phenomenal. We're going to go into a lot more detail with that. And I I think there's so many different pieces we can kind of break down. Uh, But let's get a better idea of sort of your your story and your journey, because I think that people care most about what you do after they know why you do what that is. So what what is the story of Donnie Boyvin? Yeah, so... You know, I got out of the Marine Corps at 22. I jumped straight into sales, and I was spent 20 years in the sales game, straight commission almost the entire run, um, with a little uh, hiccup stint in uh, <laughs> bartending in between all of it. You know, um, the, around the age of 25, 27, when I was trying to figure out the hell I wanted to be when I grew up. And, you know, through that journey, I had some great successes. I had a lot of fun. But, you know, I, it wasn't till I was in my, I had turned 40. I was a national sales trainer, uh, training some big companies, small companies across the U.S. And I had that pivot, you know, that whole thought process, like they said, you know, in the, the e-myth where I had the entrepreneur hiccup and, you know, I thought, God, I've been doing this my entire life of making other people money and living other people's dreams. I can do this on my own. So in the midst, I was in a process of buying out my business partner and uh, it was going to be a seven figure deal over five years that I was going to buy him out and take over the business. And I just realized that that wasn't my dream. That wasn't my choice. So I really thought that being a damn good sales guy, having a good local brand that I'd be able to open up my business and, you know, the golden gates, whatever would open up and, you know, life would be good. And what I didn't realize is those 20 years in a sales career was also 20 years in an employee mindset. So I launched my business and I had no idea how to run a business. And in a sense, you know, I had some cool successes at the beginning, which gave me this false sense of, yeah, this was the right move. I knew I knew I should have done this. Um, but I wasn't learning the, the processes and things I need to do to be successful in business. And right about the six month mark, I was looking at my wife going, babe, I literally bet the farm. We, we have a farm we live on out here in the country. And, um, you know, at that point, you know, all of my cash reserves have been gone. All of the, I wasn't bringing in enough revenue for the business to, to, for this thing to survive. And, you know, it was completely lose a farm or go get a job. And I had one last speaking engagement to give. And I felt like that was going to be like my last time on stage. So I was going out Bon Jovi style and I was just going to leave it all on the stage. And I remember psyching myself up before I went on to that particular event. And when I spoke, man, I, I, I hit it with everything I had. I mean, every bit of passion I could muster up. And I was flat out exhausted about an hour later when the, when the whole speech was done. And it was one of the most powerful moments of my life when I gave that speech because so many people came up afterwards. And one of the people that came up afterwards said, hey, you know, I love your message. I love your story. Look what you do. Would you come be a guest on my podcast? And I said, what's a podcast? And this was May of last year. And um, uh, he walked me through and his, his response was, you know, it's kind of like an old timey radio show you know, where people talk to each other. I'm like, oh, like talk radio. And he goes, yeah, pretty much. So I went on a show and long story short, um, had a blast. We laughed our butts off on a show. And after the show aired, 
one of his listeners reached out and became a client. And it was my first, you know, kind of sales coaching client um, in this regards. And I went, holy crap, you can go on podcasting, find business, hold my beer and watch this. Right. And Errol, forgive me if, if uh, uh, cussing comes out of me. I'm, it's a jarhead in me. I don't mean to, but right. And so in the next 30 days, I realized that that podcasting would help me find new business. I went nuts. If you had a podcast, you had anything that I could get on. I was on your show. I was on 67 shows in the next 30 days. And from there, I, I happened to go on to a show. That was really, really, really bad. Um, you guys can go listen to the episode of my show to hear how bad it was. I mean, I didn't air it, and I'll never say the guy's name, but it was it was a pretty bad episode that I went on. And I thought, man, if this guy has, has, has any sort of success, then I'm in. I can do this. So I launched my podcast, and the first podcast. So the, if you go on iTunes right now, you're going to find where I attempted to do an anchor podcast um, until I read their their bylaws and everything else and realized that they owned all my content and I immediately stopped producing content on anchor. Um, I launched a iTunes show and I did everything you were supposed to do, man. I got the coach. I got the, the mentor. I had the studio. I was spending a ton of money getting it all figured out. And that show went seven episodes. And the reason it went seven episodes is I had no vision. I had no direction. You know, I didn't know who the audience was for. And it was starting out very much like I started my business. You know, I, I just had no concept of what I was trying to create. And after I shut that show down, I realized, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have to figure it out on my own so I can, you know, as I build a team out, I can tell them what I need to do. And that's when I launched Donnie Success Champions. And... Nine months later, 175 episodes in, we're kicking ass and taking names and having a lot of fun. And how it helped me save my business was it taught me process. It taught me, and I'm a pretty disciplined person when it came to things I need to do for my business, but it taught me a different level of regimen. It taught me you know, to, to do bigger reach outs and bigger asks. And it taught me how to structure my business to work with, you know, vendors and not employees, but 1099s and VAs. And it kept teaching me all the things and the skills that I didn't have because I didn't understand running a business. And, you know, I mean, we can talk a lot about this, but some of the fun things I did to ensure success out the gate is I said uh, the biggest trap I could think for myself. And I said, I'm launching a daily podcast. And cause I knew how much work that was going to take for me to pull off and, you know, at the time when I launched it, I didn't realize, any, I didn't think anybody had done that. And I thought that was going to be unique and set me apart until I was three months in. Somebody said, oh, have you heard of John Lee Dumas? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, now I do. You know, but, um, and, you know, people often ask me, what do I attribute to the success of the show is? And it comes down to two things. When I launched this show, I knew that hearing the stories of what people overcame you know, it was something that inspired the hell out of me. And it was something that, that, you know, when you hear somebody else's story, you can't help but lean into that story and try to apply those principles to your life. And so I knew if I was going to find success in this venture, that if I constantly was surrounding myself with people that had overcome great things to find whatever success they are, that through some sort of osmosis, um, it would continue to 
peel off on me and I grow my business and it has. And, you know, now the, I have, because of it, you know, we launched, you know, a content company because of it. Um, my speaking business has taken off. My, my private coaching business has taken off and books are fixing to come out. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. The, the whirlwind of activity um, that's coming to it. I'm, I'm one of the, the, what they call it, the icons of influence, the new media summit here in Tampa in two weeks, you know, so just a lot of cool things have come from it. But at the end of the day, I mean, it taught me to grow up and become a business owner from a guy who had no idea how to run a business and didn't buy into this whole philosophy of being an entrepreneur. I just knew I needed to go get punched in the face by life so I can figure this shit out. Very interesting. Talk to us and break down a little more of the process. We want to, I definitely want to kind of get on record here a little more of the aspects that really go into structuring an effective podcast to kind of give some people some better ideas there, but just in general with process. So the processes that you learn to implement more effectively that have helped you now to really kind of focus on the content creation business, the private coaching, the speaking and with the business. So what, what types of processes uh, were, would, did you, focus on or did you learn the most yeah so out the gate to and i started off you know so every friday i record six episodes um but when i first started off i was recording nine episodes every friday so when i said that i didn't have any thought process of how much time that really was so with no breaks i was scheduling starting at nine o'clock in the morning to whatever nine hours is later, nine episodes back to back to back. And it, you know, it's, it's the stupid things you do like that, that I wasn't taking into account of what I was pushing myself to do. I love it. I love it, man. That's awesome. <laughs> so um, it didn't take long, a couple of weeks of doing that, that I realized, okay, this is stupid. And what's funny is, you know, I do everything through acuity scheduling. And when I changed it to go from nine to six, with giving myself a little window in there, it screwed up all my scheduled interviews. So everybody who had already pre, you know, scheduled and everything else, now everything was off. So I had to do a lot of follow-up and email. So it was a learning experience there. But the first thing, you know, that was kind of one of my big learning things was, you know, if I'm going to schedule my day, then I got to schedule what I can handle and schedule, you know, something that, that is realistic. And, you know, I was big on this. Everything's a grind. You know, you got to put in the hours and all that yeah, that's a quick way to a grave, right? You know, it's a quick way to kill yourself. But um, from from there, it's, it's understanding that was the work that goes into getting that volume of guests. I mean, at this point, I think we're at 260 episodes recorded. 175 are released. I think is where we're at at this point. And, and that number could be off. But, um, uh, you know, starting off with the show – it was really almost if you had a heartbeat, I could get you on because I was figuring out the processes and not to say the guests were bad. I'm not saying that at all. They were amazing guests, but I was reaching out to a lot of friends and people I knew. So they were easy ask. Well, once you know, you do anything and you get past the friends and family. Now that now you really got to get to work. So I've never struggled to get guests, but I didn't, I had to go build a process to get it consistently every day. And one of the things that I figured out back then is what I still do to my business and it's 10 reach outs every morning. So every morning I'm on LinkedIn and I'm reaching out to 10 different people of 
guests that I want on the show. And here's a cool thing. And in doing those reach outs, it taught me, okay, well, here's my prospecting methodology. Because now I apply that same principle to grow my business going after key contacts. So now that I'm not only going after 10 guests that I want on the show, I'm also going after 10 prospects for my business. It was just a, it was in creating that, that strategy of how do I find guests taught me something that I should have been doing the entire time with my business. And it's just something I never had. I mean, I grew up in the sales world where it was cold calls and kicking in doors. You know, it wasn't, you know, this whole uh, social selling that we world that we live in now. So I didn't understand that everything you did in person, you could do the same thing online. So that was kind of the second thing it taught me of the process is here's my business development process, at least one stage of it. And, you know, uh, which evolved into other things, but then it also, now I had to do a show schedule and now I had to reach out to guests and, and then get headshots, bios, you know, and then, Oh, Holy hell. I had to figure out how to market the show because just because you have a podcast doesn't mean anybody's going to listen to it. So early on, we figured out, you know, a couple of things. One, your guests are not going to grow your show. Um, uh, and I, I had it in my head when I launched it, that if I got the right guest on the show, their stories would be enough to carry the weight of the show. I learned very, very quickly. That's not the case. It's your show and it's your job to build the damn thing, which taught me, you know, where I was trying to go back to this employee mindset. You know, I was trying to create a job for myself, not necessarily build a business. And so I had to put in, you know, a whole regiment. You've seen it. And, but if, if you guys saw the breakdown of everything I do, every show that comes out, it's, it's insane the level of things we do um, just so people get an understanding. Every day when the show airs, we drop 150 to 200 direct messages and tweets based on the show topic to, to people that may be interested in this topic. You're not going to get the same message or tweet from me you know, within the next, in the same 30 day pattern, because we've built out such a large database. But, you know, um, I talked to a lady today that's probably going to become a client of mine that deals in the, in the mental health and growing up with a mentally challenged person. She now in the database has that on there. So if I have, have a person who comes on my show that talks about, you know, mentally challenged and those type of things growing up, you know, as a kid, she's going to get a direct message from us saying, hey, this show just aired, thought you may be interested in it. You know, another one was a gal that I talked to had a, you know, uh, a premature child that was born really early and the child weighed, I think she told me like a pound and a half. And I don't remember how many weeks early it was born. But, you know, I had my team go through the database and I said, you know, find everybody that has, you know, a premature or a, a baby story. And we sent them an episode of Bella Vasta, who has one of the um, 50 smallest babies ever born to survive. I forget how many months early Bella's baby was born, but Bella's wedding ring would fit over her baby. That's how tiny her baby was and lived. Um, you know, so it's, it's all the things that we do to do what we call play offense on the podcast to make sure we're getting a ton of attention and enough traction out there. But none of this stuff, you know, before I was a sales guy. So my job was to go get sales, you know, bring in the business. Somebody would build them. Somebody would do all this. You know, I'd show up, I'd train, and then I'd get out. Somebody else did all the other work. Now, you know, I was having to build all these processes to not only say, not, but sell it, you know, deliver it, bill it, 
collect it, you know, and, you know, get rescheduled for the next go around. And this is all the things that I was learning along the lines just to make sure I could get this whole damn thing, you know, successful. And, you know, that's, you know, why we, we really started documenting the processes because as we are launching podcast course and, you know, a couple of eBooks that are fixing to launch is, you know, I built this whole thing by banging my head against the wall in YouTube videos and uh, you know, which anybody can do. I mean, hell, if they, if, if I can figure it out being a jarhead of no college degree and just a sales guy, you know, um, anybody can figure it out. So we're just trying to figure out how to shortcut the processes for people to give them a kind of step-by-step guide because, you know, a lot of people are launching shows right now and they're doing it on a whim, which is exactly what I did. And then they, you know, they get a few months into it and they're frustrated because they don't have any traction. They're not getting enough listeners, not getting enough downloads. And, you know, the first way to early grave of a podcast is start looking at your downloads right? Um, go look at your stats by all means, but get away from your downloads because you're going to be depressed out the gate because your ego is going to get so bruised when you first start out. If you don't do a proper launch to a show, you know, which, which is fun. You know, now that we understand a lot of things we wish we would have done out of the gate, you know, now we're going into companies and helping them launch podcasts. We're, you know, helping individuals launch podcasts, but it's all about the process, the process, the process, the process. So, so tell me, what is the value proposition? If you go to a business and you're talking social media, you're talking about, po- I mean, podcasting, it's a form of content. It's a, it's a unique and in-depth, multifaceted form of content. But we get into social media, we get into this digital age, but we're talking to business owners that are about wanting to increase their revenue. Where, where does social media, what's the value proposition and how do you introduce these concepts to business owners that don't get it. You know, and I'm not big on value propositions because that's some sales mumbo jumbo they taught 25 bajillion years ago that people won't let die. Um, because, because look, nobody gives a shit about what you do, period, end the day, right? Only thing companies give a damn about is what you can do for them. That's it, right? Is, is they've got their hand out, they're looking for a solution, slide your solution in, all right? But, um, you know, it, it's, it's funny is, I think everybody should start a podcast and here's why. Um, uh, there, I'm trying to be nice. I usually pick on, oh, screw it. I'll pick on financial advisors. Just my favorite to pick on. Okay. So what, you have any other, is there a financial advisor in the room? Uh, yes, there is. Right, here. <laughs> right. So, so if you go to a networking event, everybody knows that there's 30 financial advisors right there. They're a dime a fucking dozen. Everybody hates them. Right. So um, when I tell financial advisors and I get a lot of them that reach out to me, I'm like, look, go start a podcast. And they're like, we can't. We have all these rules. We have all these regulations. I'm like, bullshit. Here you, this is what it is. Go start a podcast about what you geek out on. And a guy looked at me one day not too long ago, and he goes, what do you mean? I said, what's your, what's your outside of being a wealth management mumbo jumbo BS, whatever your title is, um, what do you geek out? And he goes, craft beer. I said, oh, I love that. Tell me about craft beer. And he goes on, man, like this entire diatribe of craft beer. I'm like, man, that is so cool. I can make a couple of introductions. I've had a couple of guys on the show that run some massive craft breweries in Texas, you know, and, you know, we were having a fun conversation. I said, you know, here's an interesting thing. I said, how many CEOs or ideal targets that you'd love to get to do you think are in the craft beer? He goes, oh, a ton. I said, what kind of phone call would it be 
for you to call up a CEO of a major company and say, hey, I run a podcast that reaches hundreds of thousands of people, whatever your numbers are, and it doesn't even have to be that many numbers, right? I have a podcast that all we do is talk about craft beer. I would love for you to come on and tell me your story about the craft beers you've gotten into, you know, if you're doing things on the side. They take that phone call because it's something they geek out about. Now you bring that CEO of the company on, you sit down and talk about craft beer for the next hour. You're not talking about financial advisory. You're not talking about their wealth or anything. You're not trying to sell them shit. You're just having a general conversation about something you both geek out on and holy hell, <coughs> excuse me, holy hell in a handbasket, you know, you just made a relationship with somebody bonding on something completely irrelevant to your business. Two weeks later, when you follow up and said, hey, want to go grab lunch? Odds are that CEO is going to take that damn phone call. Why? Because you <coughs> gave him something he needed. He needed exposure. And you gave him that platform and you allowed him to put his, let his hair down and talk about something he really, really enjoyed. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm battling a head cold. <coughs> but at the end of the day, people were like, well, what do I start a podcast about? I'm like, whatever you geek out about. Um, I can never remember the name of the show, but I love these guys. They have a Patreon following. <clears throat> that pays them almost $10,000 a month on Patreon. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's a fun supporter thing for <clears throat> mercy. It's cold. It's going to kill me, but they have a, uh, it's like a, a, a fund that people can donate to, to sponsor shows and stuff. And they have almost $10,000 a month of people don donating to them. Their podcast is a Lord of the Rings theme. Huh. They review sections of the book. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, you can literally podcast about anything. And it's it's amazing. Give me two seconds while I kick on the fans. But, you know, it comes down to, you know, if – you know, everybody always says chase your passions. I don't say chase your passions in your business. If you chase your passions in your business, you're going to ruin your passion. Chase something you can get passionate about on your podcast. Go have fun. Geek out on it. <clears throat> don't use it to make money. Go use it to connect with people and watch things naturally progress and go. I mean, even as you've seen, as you've launched the show, you've been introduced to some really cool people and tell their stories as a financial advisor, right? That yeah, a lot of times, you know, that that had you not have created this, you may not have gotten into so many levels of engagement you have. And yeah, good. No, I have to put this out there for any financial advisor that's listening. So, I mean, I work for Merrill Lynch and it's super heavily regulated. And in this case, I've been creating content and creating the podcast now for, you know, year and a half, two years. And, not once talking about anything financial. So not talking about any of that. So if anybody happens to be listening, happens to be a financial advisor trying to figure out, okay, how can we become more visible and stay compliant? Reach out to me, talk, we'll have a conversation. Yeah. I mean, it, it comes down to you at no point are, are, are 
doing anything illegal. I mean, and this can go for any profession. I mean, I tell bankers the same thing. You know, if you go to a networking event, the guys in the suits, a banker, or a financial advisor or an insurance guy, sometimes, you know, um, you know, so one, get out of the fucking suits. Nobody wears suits anymore. I don't know why you guys are still wearing them, but uh, you stick out like a sore thumb. But two, two, if, you know, I, I at a speaking at an event, I had a gentleman come up after the event and he looked at me and he goes, all right, I have the worst profession in the world. Nobody wants to hear about it. I'm like, what is it? He goes, HR consulting. I'm like, you're right. Your, your profession sucks. Nobody gives a shit about HR consulting. He goes, I get it. I get it. He goes, how the hell do I start a podcast? I said, well, what'd you geek out as a kid? And he goes, well, I race motorcycles. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, dude, totally race motorcycles. We rebuild them, build them from the ground up. I'm like, you better be kidding me. And he gets go. I mean, gets all lit up and he's excited. I'm like, dude, start a motorcycle podcast. He goes, can you do that? I'm like, why not? There's dudes doing a Lord of the Rings podcast. I mean, surely you could do a motorcycle. And he left the meeting and, uh, you know, I have never followed up with the guy. Um, but, but, you know, if he would have started a motorcycle podcast, you know, it just gives you a whole nother avenue to go talk to people um, that you may not get. And I mean, it really comes down to when I'm on LinkedIn, better scenario. If I go to a networking event, and, you know, for seven years being a, a sales trainer, if I walked into a room and they said, hey, what do you do? And I said, a sales trainer, do you think they hugged me? Most times I got treated like a financial advisor. like, oh, shit, what's this guy going to sell me? But now I walk up and, you know, they're like, hey, what do you do? And I said, I'm a podcaster. Now they're, interest, they're in. They're interested. Oh, tell me about the podcast. What's the show about? Can I find it here? Um, and it's it's crazy you know, what doors it'll open. And my, my favorite one that I've done and his show is fixing to come air and I'm excited when it finally airs so I can say his name. But um, there was a gentleman that came through Dallas and I really wanted him on my show. He had a sold out event in Dallas. Um, I drove to the event. There's a line out the door to get in. I just went around the line, walked all the way up to the little desk where everybody's turning in their tickets and stuff. And I said, I'd like to speak with so-and-so. And they looked at me like I had two heads and said, who the hell are you? And I said, well, I'm Donnie Bobian, And, you know, I got a top 200 business podcast on iTunes. I'd like to interview. And they said, hold on one second. And the gal grabs her phone. And she goes, holy shit. And then she goes, one second. And they both ran off. And I got this whole line of people standing behind me. And uh, he comes out. And the crowd kind of gets that hush pause. And I just walked around the crowd, shook his hand. We sat down for five minutes. He agreed to come on the show. And then he goes, are you staying for the conference? I said, no. He goes, you really drove all the way out here just to get me on your show. I said, absolutely. He goes, I fucking love that. He goes, here's a free ticket if you want to come in. I said, I really don't have time, but I appreciate that. But do me a favor and donate that to somebody. Make sure they get in. And I left and his show's fixing to air. So I'm excited to finally be able to announce that one. But um, uh, it's, it's, podcasting will just open up so many doors because it let takes people's defenses down and they're not so worried about what you do for a living. They're just there to learn more and, you know, geek out with you. Absolutely. Super cool. Super cool. So, so when it comes to doing the podcast and structuring the process and to, to go about it, um, uh, what would be the that's kind of some of the basic ways to go about setting up the process? So if somebody says, okay, I do want to, I do want to start a podcast. So then what, what next? 
Yeah, so uh, two things. One, you need to figure out what your show is going to be about. And once you understand what it's going to be about, then you've got to know who's the show for. And this is where a lot of people screw it up. And it, it, it's a small business issue that everybody's like, well, everybody's my target, right? Everybody should listen to the show. And as soon as you do that, you might as well throw your show in the trash. And the trick is, is you have got to find the avatar for your show. And you've got to know the avatar intimately uh, inside and out, because if you don't know that avatar and don't know who you're speaking to, you won't be able to grow your audience. And what I mean is my avatar's name is Leah. I know exactly how much she makes a year. I know what kind of car she drives. I know where she hangs out. I know what type of magazines and things she reads. I know what she does for fun. You know, it is down to the intimate details of who's listening to my show. And here's the funny thing. I love telling this. Even though my avatar is a female, my primary listener base is dudes, you know, by a far majority. The reason is, is my message is so defined down to what Lee would be interested in it with. It's crystal clear and it resonates with everybody. And the people that resonate with that message buy into the show as a whole. So you've got to be that laser focused on who specifically you're talking to and, you know, I interview and run an interview show Monday through Thursday. And then every Friday I do my own episode. And by the way, folks, the, the, that Friday episode is where I get all my speaking engagements. I pick up more speaking engagements from that Friday episode than anything else I do. Because um, people tune in, they hear the show, they get to hear my message. Um, it's, it's just an additional level of social proof to my delivery style and the things that I do. And a lot of times on those Friday shows, I'm just sharing my journey and the crap I screw up on, you know, and the mental games that I play with myself and all kinds of stuff. Um, and that's, you know, uh, additional, those Friday episodes are what's being turned into a book right now. You know, so I'm double producing content for myself uh, to turn it into a book, which also, by the way, is turning into a podcasting course you know, eBooks and miniseries and all kinds of things. So it's constantly churning out new, new stuff for me on a regular basis. But, you know, once you know your avatar, now it's a matter of simple equipment. I made it to a top 200, you know, on iTunes with a $50 Walmart headset and a free Zoom account. No, excuse me. It uh, 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 wasn't free at that point. It was, I was doing the paid version. I think I was doing the 1499, you know, Zoom version. And, you know, I've since upgraded. I wish you guys could see my full setup now because I do the whole, you know, virtual backgrounds and everything with the show, with the green screens and everything. We just have a lot of fun with it. But, um, you know, you get your equipment, but keep it stupid simple. Um, the best host in the world, and I get nothing by recommending these guys, but most of the top podcasters in the world use it. It's Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N. And you use Libsyn, Libsyn I can't even say it, Libsyn to, to – you know, host your show and that'll post out to a ton of platforms, including iTunes. Um, and you, know, you get your episode, you record it via zoom, you go get a free app called audacity, which allow you to edit all the audio. You go to a couple of places. You can go to YouTube music you can go to epidemic sound. You can go to a bunch of places, get music for your show. Um, and, Careful sometimes with buy, bought songs because you got to keep those receipts and prove that you bought it. Um, you know, so a lot of people are suggesting you get custom made songs now. But you know, you you go to Audacity, you edit the edit, you know the audio of your show, you add in your music, your intros, your outros, 
upload it to to Libsyn. You know, you add you know, the show notes. You add some pictures in there. You push it out, and then you go to task on marketing. And we've got a lot of things we do from the marketing aspect of it. But you know, it's it's about putting a full process in it, and just think about you know how much stuff you either already market your business or how much you wish your business would market for you quadruple or, you know, five times that. And that's the amount of marketing we do for our show on a daily basis to, to get all the content out there. So, so tell me who, who are the key partners that help help you to scale it? You mentioned VAs yep. and so who, who are the key partners yep. and for the amount of scaling that you do, what would be an average ratio of the help that you need for how you, you know, want to scale? So for the show went for 120 episodes with three of us. Um, so I had Joe Phelan, who's my editor, been my editor about somewhere between episode five and 10. I don't remember. I realized editing my own show sucked ass. So I got my, I got my editor and Joe's a veteran buddy of mine was served in the army and we, you know, what's great is because we've been working so long together, Joe and I never talk. Um, you know, I don't have to tell him anything unless I got to make some changes to the show, but we have a shared Google drive account and it's just rhythm. I upload the episodes and, and he knocks them out of the park. Um, and that's just worked tremendously for a very long time. Um, and then we picked up Laura to do some content stuff for us. And then we picked up a couple more VAs all the way through. So at this point, working on the show, there's four of us all together um, working on the show. We're adding some more assets to the team. So bringing in Jessica is helping us out with the core stuff. Um, we brought in Lee to help out with the website stuff. And we're continuing to add to the team. Um, the next level up will be uh, I'm actually going to be bringing in an operations manager for the company to handle the things that I'm not strong at from the business aspect of it. But, um, and just for the record, guys, these are all 1099. It's not a single W-2 whatsoever. Um, and my company will continue to be built on this whole model. Uh, I just interviewed a guy on my show that just built the hotels.com for outsourcing. And so if you're looking for anything outsourcing and you're not trying to do an Upwork or Fiverr type thing, which I have nothing, well, I'm not a big fan of Fiverr, but I love Upwork. But if you're trying to scale up, like say you need a COO of your company, you can get a COO of your company for less than $2,000 a month. It's going to be virtual. It's going to be outsourced, but same level, same caliber of having someone sit in your office. So we're fixing to add that asset to the team as well. And then you can stack in the number of coaches and things that I work with on a regular basis you know, cause if I'm going to coach people by God, I better have a coach, um, all the way through the process, you know, going through and then countless mentors and everything, but you know, you can take your show really. I mean, John Lee Dumas, who's averaging over a hundred thousand, you know, downloads an episode, I think right now, um, he's only got five people on his team. I think he went up to seven at one point. Um, but you don't need a lot of bodies and you can do it all yourself. I mean, Errol, I think you do everything yourself, don't you on your show? I do. I do. Yeah. I mean, and you can do well. I mean, I don't know how many people are, are following along now or we'll see this, you know, all the views all in, but you know, you can do really well for a while as long as you're not trying to kill yourself like I did and doing a daily episode. Yeah. What I, what I think 
what I'm noticing with doing it myself is I can do it. I've got an idea of the processes. I've got them written out. And, and as I've gotten more focused on, I got this from you being on the offense with the marketing and all this, uh, I can see more what it takes. Now, I, for me to, to really scale more of my activities, I can see how it would be very helpful to start to delegate some things out. So all we need to do is execute on the process, get everything moving and, but to do everything, the editing, crazy. It's crazy. I mean, <laughs> give people perspective. The, when I was first editing the shows, an hour episode would take me two to three hours to edit, you know, because uh, you, you, you got to learn everything, you know, you got to learn, you know, audacity and, God forbid you're going to do that. Thank God you do lives. If you had to go back and edit these videos um, and not get too many jump skips and everything else, you know, that would take you forever to, to edit these things all the way through. And, you know, uh, it's, it's amazing when you first start embracing outsourcing because you kind of get all of that stuff in your head of, well, nobody can do that. Like I do it. And that's a quick way to grave. And, but when you start embracing outsourcing, it frees up your time to go do things that you need to be doing in your business. And, you know, the podcaster shouldn't be in the back editing and, you know, trying to get headshots and bios and all that stuff. The podcaster should have his ass out there networking and growing the business. So he can be rubbing elbows and finding the, the different guests and finding the guests that fit his audience, not people with just heartbeats, but bring real value to people. And if you're stuck back behind a computer doing the work, you're not playing offense with your business enough to be able to grow and scale it. This is a really good transition for the next part. So there's, there's really just two more general, well, one general question that I think is, is a good transition here. And then I have a special question for you. Sure. All right. So with this activity, you asked if I'm doing all this stuff myself and I am, I'm also very active on LinkedIn. I'm very focused on creating content, but because of the amount of time that it really takes to focus on this and I'm doing some other designations at work, ultimately to be able to go and create the content to keep growing the connections and to keep building my brand on LinkedIn, um, there's a sacrifice in that. And so in terms of with social, I know that you're focused also on helping with the overall social media, not just on the mm -hmm. podcasting. So be able to create that content to create that brand on not just on LinkedIn, which is where I'm most passionate about, but LinkedIn, but on Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram, all these places. So I know that's a, a focus for you for business and just a passion for you. So tell us a little more about uh, yeah. how you help there. And well, you know, it, it's, it's interesting is once you become a business owner um, and you fully embrace it, you know, your business 24 seven. I'm not saying you're working 24 seven. I'm just saying your mind never shuts the hell off. Um, you're always thinking about business. And one night, um, laying in bed, um, I, like you do as a business owner, I popped up at three 30 in the morning and I said, Holy shit, there's the answer for my business. And what I realized is every time I'm recording an episode, so I sit similar to this, but in my studio, uh, and I record an episode that's an hour long with one of my guests. And I went, holy crap, that's an hour's worth of content. So I wondered if we could put together a team to be able to take that content and turn it into something. So we then went and found 
you know, a team of video editors, content creators, social graphics people, and we started putting together packages. This is a whole separate entity from the podcast, by the way. Um, so we have now what we call a content development company. We're not a social media company. I manage one social media account. I charge $4,000 a month and I should have charged $20,000 a month. I will never do that again. I don't care about posting anything for you, but you know, people are really struggling with content. So what we did is we started with our guest on the show and we offered every guest that came on for a price point and the price point is still the same, but for $997, we would take that, that interview and turn it into a month's worth of social content. We break it up into micro videos. We break it into blog posts and articles. We break it into eight social graphics for them. And then we would package it up and deliver it to them via Dropbox. And now they're sitting on a ton of social content that they can just throw out on a regular basis, you know, put it into Buffer or Hootsuite or whatever program they're using. And they could spend one afternoon scheduling their entire month out. And not have to worry about, okay, what do I write this week? What do I say this week when I've got professional people on staff that are doing all that for us? So we started with the guest on the, on the show. Well, then some of the guests started telling their friends and, you know, coworkers or whatever else about it. And then we started doing it with a lot of smaller businesses. Um, and we've done some crazy things like a spa came to me and they're like, I don't want to be on your podcast. I'm like, good, because you don't necessarily fit the people I'm bringing on the podcast. Because she goes, but I really want to do this content package. So we did. So we did the whole, so we started off interviewing the husband and wife about their journey of coming and starting the spa. And then every month we're interviewing a new one of their employees and doing the same thing and turning that all into content. So we're turning a bunch of content for them. We had, you know, a coach come to us and she's like, look, I need to get a strong YouTube presence going. And I know I need videos, but I don't want to sit there and do all the work because I have a VA that will post them for me. So we interview her once a month. And she doesn't want the blogs and everything. She's the writer. So we're just producing videos for her. And the cool things about the videos is it's just like you and I talking. She's talking to me the entire time on the videos. All we're doing is coming in and making sure I'm not seen because I'm interviewing her, get all the content out of her. Because, you know, most people are stuck in their head when they try and do a video and they get that deer in the headlight. Uh, what do I say next? Well, I'm interviewing the entire time. So I'm pulling content out of you because that's what I do all the time in podcasts. So I'm pulling the content out of you and, and getting all that. And then, you know, my team comes in and we just drop logos in, we drop music in and, you know, we scrub it. So it's perfectly sized for YouTube or Facebook or Instagram, wherever you want to put it. And we're just helping massively, you know, create content for people, which led to our newest service that we're still wrapping our heads around because this was another one that dropped in our lap that we weren't thinking about. We had a, a couple of big speakers come to us and like, look, I've got a ridiculous amount of content. I've got videos. I've got blogs. I got this. I just don't know what to do with it all. So they're now giving us all the content and we're putting together a special package that we're going to take everything they already have and start churning out content for them. So we're going to create them videos for them. We're going to create the blog posts for them based off of everything they already have. We're just going to repurpose everything. Um, you know, and you know, that's going to evolve to our ultimate model. And people keep asking me, okay, Donnie, this is cool. How do you scale it? And the scale is, is there's 600,000 podcasters across the world. And if that sounds like a lot guys, uh, in last year, there was 200,000 podcasts launch. There was 4 million books written. 
right? So, so podcasting is still just getting into the teenage years. It's got a long way to go. And, you know, the, I mean, just, just walk down the street and say podcast and watch how many people don't turn their head because they still don't have never heard of a podcast. But um, so we're slowly starting to reach out to other podcasters and said, you know, here's a business model for you. You're interviewing, you're sitting on content. What if you could offer a package to the people coming on your show? So we have now a wholesale package set up for other podcasters if they want to turn a revenue stream with their show. And I tell them, I said, it's not a sales call. It's merely an offer. Same way I offer at the end of my show. Every guest comes on my show. I'm like, hey, it's just an offer. For $9.97, if you need it, we can turn this into content for you. And we get one out of the six every Friday to take us up on the offer. Um, and we've had some really big names take us up on, you know, on, on doing that. But, you know, it comes down to everybody knows they need content. They either don't know how to make it or they don't know what to say. We just took that out of their hands and gave them a way that they can do it. And it's crazy the conversations it's brought around. I just talked to last week of a gentleman that he helps people bring their creations to life. So if they're trying to get patents on ideas and whatnot, um, we're sitting down with them to see if we can't help them come up with a marketing process for the different gizmos and gadgets that his engineering firm is bringing to the table and see if we can't get some buzz around some of these things to see if they're viable concepts. So it's evolving into some cool other things that we keep adding on the back end. And once again, it wasn't at no point of me launching my business that I say I was going to have a content development company arm to my business. It's just evolved into that. Um, and by the way, I'm still running a full speaking business. I'm still running a full coaching practice um, and, you know, a podcast and now a content company. You know, it, it comes down to I knew in the finance world, I knew I needed to diversify a portfolio. Um, so I needed to have the different revenue streams from different portions of my business. And the company just keeps finding different ways to add those into the business. That's phenomenal. This is by far the best conversation I've had. And I've speak to a lot of people. This, this is so value rich and actionable. This is phenomenal, Donnie. So thank you. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Now I will say this, as you were telling me that with the revenue streams, I was actually uh, listening to another uh, person here speak uh, recently. They had uh, they were a multimillionaire, uh, 37, uh, 37 different avenues of uh, different streams of income. And that is phenomenal. But he didn't start out the no. day and go, he started out with one business. He got that right, found the next business. And, 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 you know, people hear that and it's, it's amazing how people I run into and they're like, oh, I'm fixing to launch six businesses. I'm fixing to watch you fail at six businesses. Miserably. That's what's fixing to happen. It's because you cannot build and devote the time a business needs to get up. Now, if you've built a successful business, the second one gets easier. The third one gets easier. But you still have to put time into that. And even though he's got 37 different revenue streams, he's got probably 37 different badass people that are running those different revenue streams for him. He's not in the day-to-day -day of it. You know, At this point, he's playing the game I call Puppet Master, which he is just managing all the people up top make sure none of the spinning plates fall phenomenal yeah. phenomenal well great well so so from here donnie uh in terms of for people that want to connect with you that want to learn more about how to effectively podcast 
that maybe in this case want help with social media or just want to connect with you. So what are, what are the best ways for people to go about yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, on Facebook, Donnie Bovine, you can find me there. I have a couple of fun groups. Please send me a message. Um, I'll respond to every message that comes through on there on Facebook. Same thing, Donnie Bovine on LinkedIn. Come find me there. Let's connect, hook up there. Um, Instagram, Donnie.Bovine. Twitter, Donnie Bovine. Um, but a couple things on Facebook. I have two very extremely active groups. Um, one is the same name of the podcast called Donnie Success Champions. Come hang out there, daily content, talking about unleashing your inner badass and really going for it. Um, a lot of the things that I'm doing in the book are coming out of that group. Um, so if you just need a daily dose of, of kicking the ass, um, come hang out there. So Donnie Success Champions. If you want to get in the podcast game, yes, I'm reading some books and courses and everything else, but I'm teaching podcasting. A lot of the stuff Errol's doing with this show, we've discussed a lot about in that group. So the group is called So You Want a Podcast. So if you're trying to get into podcasting and you're like, I want to get it, but and it's a free group. I'm teaching it, trying to do lives as often as possible um, and provide content. But, you know, if you go in the group, there was a, a video out there not too long ago where, a very awesome lady up out of the north, you know, called me up and said, hey, you know, I've been spending, you know, like $1,750 a month on having somebody run my podcast. and I'm just out of money and I need to know how to keep my show going. So I jumped on a Zoom call with her and, I, you know, I said, hey, do you care if we record this? And I recorded a half hour session of me teaching her everything about podcasting. And then we released it in the group, you know. So um, and that's all free stuff that, that I'm throwing out there because you know, podcasting did so much for my business. I really want people to embrace it and step into it because it's, it's such a low cost thing you can do with your business and you can turn it into a fully offensive sales business development strategy. So come hang out in Donnie success champions, come hang out and it's spelled. So comma, you want a podcast. So, so you want a podcast um, on Facebook and then, you know, you know, watch cause we're, if you'll see, I put out a ton of content on a regular basis on several different platforms and pay attention there. My LinkedIn is blowing up right now. Um, uh, uh, just some good things going on. I'm having a lot of fun on LinkedIn. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. LinkedIn is a great space. is a great space. Uh, and, uh, and yeah. So Can I give one piece of advice for LinkedIn just cause I know it's a LinkedIn group. Yeah. Um, here's the stupidest thing I see people doing. They're trying to use the main feed to sell their shit. Suffice it. Nobody gives a shit what you're selling, period. I don't know how many realtors are posting houses that nobody likes, comments, interacts with, shit. Stop doing that stuff. Guys, keep it simple and just document your story. My number one most commented and shared post was a story about me having to go freaking fix my wife's tire in her car, right? And I just spun it to my business of, you know, how you should always do the right thing. And I was amazed how many people got into that post and commented and shared. And it was just documented what happened that night. I was tired and didn't want to change a damn tire, but I did it anyways. And I wrote an article about it and people really embraced it. Quit trying to sell your shit and just start conversations. It's really that simple. I couldn't agree with you anymore. Uh, well, very good. Well, well Donnie, let's, uh, we will uh, cut it there for, for now. And uh, thank you so much, you know, for the, uh, you know, for the time. And uh, yeah, we definitely appreciate your time tonight. 
Absolutely, brother. Thanks for having me on. It's a lot of fun. And guys, please reach out, reach out to me if I can do anything for you. Definitely. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Mastery, where entrepreneurs go to network and learn how to attract their ideal clients via LinkedIn and broker powerful connections worldwide. Be sure to visit us at LinkedIn Mastery on Facebook. Be sure to replace the Y with three E's and join us at LinkedIn Mastery. Enjoy this sneak peek of the upcoming episode. And if you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe so you get first notification of all upcoming episodes. And if you really like us and you want to help more people hear us, be sure to write a review, a five-star review, and let everybody know how Errol helps entrepreneurs. Money comes to you at right angles. You uh, go after your passion and the money will will come to you at right angles. He, he, he used an, uh, a story of the bee. The honeybee is going to collect uh, honey, but while he's doing that, he's pollinating flowers and plants that are then growing, just as an accident or as secondary, let's say. And that's, what, that's the way an artist kind of lives their life. They follow their passion. You'll hear it all the time. And it's, by the way, your parents, our parents never told us to go what our parents told us to do is go make money, go make money, go make money, can go make more money. They never, very few parents say, go be happy. <laughs>